Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I am here with integrative wellness coach and personal trainer, Stacy Sorgen. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. I'm super excited and she and I have had some technology snafus trying to make this happen. So I'm really glad that we are here. Uh, Stacy, why don't you give us a little quick rundown about what you do now, and then we'll kind of talk about your journey of getting to this place where you get to be who you truly are and be the wolf. Sure. I am a body neutral, adaptive strength coach. Um, so I work with people and um, I'm an integrative wellness coach. So kind of taking a holistic perspective on health and wellness. Um, and I, I like lead lots of programs in, in person, online, and I have been for the last 12 plus years. Um, yeah, so that's in a nutshell, that's really what I, I do. I love that you've been doing this for a long time because so many people were like, oh my goodness, the pandemic hit. I'm going to start an online business. I'm going to become a coach. I'm going to do all this stuff. Uh, but I love that you have been in it for a long time and you have well over a decade of experience. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting field to be in. There's always things to be learning. So I'm constantly trying to update that, you know, doing continuing education. But yeah, it's it's been an evolution. <laughs> Definitely an evolution. I think about my own journey with diet culture, with fitness culture, and all the information that was drilled into my head as I was stuck on a scale and told, you have to make sure that you don't gain a pound, you have to keep it under control, Like as that was drilled into my head. The journey of what's healthy, what's not healthy, all of that stuff has changed so much over the years. And I know one of the things that I have chosen to really do is start just listening to my body. And that is such a big be the wolf quality is doing what's true and right for you. And it may not be the same as what is true and right for everybody else. 
and that's one of the things that you really dig into. It's one of the things I love about what you're doing with people. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I think like the traditional gym culture um, is like, you know, go until you're sweating, you know, you're, you're on the ground, you've completely exhausted yourself. And I really try to work to help people find kind of the middle of the road, right? Like what uses the energy that you have to utilize today, but doesn't rob from the energy that you have available for all the things you need to do today and tomorrow? Like what would be a good middle ground? Because I think so many of us are like all or nothing. <laughs> and so I really work to help people kind of find that adaptive place in the middle. You were saying, you know, utilize the energy that we have listen to our bodies and like really listen to them um to see where we're at and what we have to give on any you know particular day and that is a um, revolutionary i think just in itself absolutely and you just said another big be the wolf quality what do we have to give on any given day because we have been culturally we have been taught to go, 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 do, 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 like do for others constantly, constantly put yourself on the back burner, drain yourself, deplete your energy, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice <laughs> until you have nothing left and you can't move forward. And I think it applies and it's so important to fill your cup, do what's best for you before you start giving all your energy away. And when you're talking about building strength and fitness and all of that and your own wellness, that is such an important piece of it for sure. Yeah, I, I think filling your cup is a thing that a lot of people say, a lot of coaches say, but to actually put that into action, used to taking care of others all the time, it's really hard to figure out what that what that means. How do you even know if your cup is empty if it's just empty all the time and you're used to that <laughs> or there could be a big old hole in your cup and you wouldn't know um so that's exactly what i work with people on is trying to figure out like what's your normal how are you feeling today compared to that what do you have to give um to show up in this workout today and sometimes we do get sweaty and we're like on the floor by the end of the workout and sometimes we stretch you know it's all about kind of finding that middle place that that works for what you have today. I love it because that is the thing. It's like I always say, do your best every day and your best is going to be different from day to day. Exactly your words. What do you have to give today? So your journey, you were not always an integrative wellness coach. You were not always a certified personal trainer. Tell me where your journey began and what was the epiphany that led you to leaning this direction in your life? Yes. So I've had lots of epiphanies along the way, but one of the is working at a hospital here in the Seattle area. And uh, it's a cancer hospital that's really popular here in Seattle, really renowned. And um, working with the patients that I did as a team coordinator, I worked in GI oncology. Um, I was shocked by the number of people who would come in with a referral from their physician 
coming in to see a specialist about cancer and then finding out that they had like a secondary health issue, like a heart issue, or maybe they were diabetic or um, lots of different things. And, and it just struck me that from their bodies, so, you know, just feeling very separate. And it wasn't until they were facing these really big, scary health issues that they really took the time to slow down. Also, I was really, uh, it was so hard to see so many people come in and they they had focused on, I'm going to hustle, I'm going to grind, I'm going to get to retirement. And then once I hit retirement, I'll do all the things that I've always wanted to do. And I will, quote unquote, take care of myself then. And there were so many people I met who had just retired like a month earlier. And I just thought, I I can't work in this field anymore where I am just seeing people at this point. I really want to like have a hand in helping people just become a little bit more at home in their bodies, a little bit more um, like befriending of their bodies, getting to know themselves so that they know if there's changes or things are different and also to help people make that that leap earlier to focusing on their health and and how they felt within their body and so that's how I transitioned into becoming a personal trainer I love that that connection of the mind and body and one of the things you know we're talking about that hustle 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 culture um, and we're talking about that and that's sort of that same thing right you go to the gym you work out till you're on the floor and you can barely move and you've got nothing left to give for the rest of the day one of the things and i think a People that are go, go, go will totally understand this. They'll hustle. They'll work with their butts off. They're maybe trying to make a deadline, work, work, work. And then they finally get a day off and they're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to do something wonderful for myself. Go to a concert, go whatever it is. And they wake up sick. And because from, you know, I work a lot with the unconscious mind. So what happens at the unconscious level is your mind is in fight or flight. It thinks there is the stress of whatever deadlines, whatever thing you're trying to get to is so strong that your body is like pulling up all the reserves to give you that energy to get through and then as soon as you're, because your unconscious mind is with you all the time, so it knows that you have a day off. <laughs> and then as soon as you have a day off, it's like, I'm going to make sure that you rest because your body needs rest so desperately. I'm going to get, I'm going to make you sick because then you're going to be forced to stay in bed. And uh, what I'm hearing you say is this is like the extreme version of what you were seeing was the extreme version of that. Okay, now I retire. So now I'm going to make sure that you're sick. So like the unconscious mind little, you know, ultimately it's trying to do good for you in the long run people, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. It's over there like, oh, let me give you this ailment so you actually slow down. So you can't hustle around and travel the world. You've got to actually slow down. To get to retirement, I can't imagine, you know, finally getting to retirement and then, you know, having to make good on like all the checks that you wrote in terms of energy, you know, and I, I 
one of my biggest goals is just to help people be a little more present day to day. And it's, it's interesting, and I will not take credit for it, but the fact that the people in my programs are more aware of their bodies does mean that people have caught cancer early or the notice that they're day to day and went into the doctor and figured out that something something was up for them. And maybe that, that would have happened otherwise, but I feel like the daily commitment to checking in with themselves to see what their energy level is, how they were feeling, like, do I feel kind of funky today? It really pays off in the long run. And I've seen that, you know, in a couple different cases, and I'm so glad that those people are still here and um, have gotten through those tough patches. Absolutely. Okay. So you're in the hospital, you're, you're working, you're feeling really not happy about what you're seeing about everybody burning themselves out and then getting sick and not being able to enjoy their life. And so that's your job then. And you, you started to become a personal trainer and now, so you step in as a person that's not, you know, the ideal, perfect supermodel cover to into a field that is extremely judgmental, right? The health and fitness world, you have to be like such, I don't, you know, I think we all know, we've all grown up with it, <laughs> what we're supposed to look like. Again, that's not very be the wolf quality because it's about what you're supposed to do. It's not about what's right for you. So share your journey in, in that, like dealing with the judgments and all that crazy stuff that comes with the fitness and diet culture industry. Yeah, it's, it's a messed up industry for sure. And I didn't know exactly what I was getting into. But when I first started, I definitely felt that pressure of trying to look a certain way. And in this field, there's no one who's like, this is the best practices. You kind of just see what everyone else is doing. And, you know, you kind of try to find your own spot. And until you figure out what your own spot is, you're kind of copying other people. And so I thought, well, I guess my body is supposed to be my business card. So I was going zero to 100. I was really pushing myself into the ground, very much invested in diet culture, hustle culture, all of those things. But something just really didn't feel right. Uh, you know, this disordered eating from my teen years came and revisited me again and really we, you know, played with my head a lot. And like all the messages that we get as personal trainers, messages that people would come in and say to me, well, I would love to be blank, blank, lighter or different. Um, they just, you know, it just really tore at me. And anyway, I ended up kind of divesting from diet culture. Um, and the further away from it that I've gotten, the better that I feel doing what I do. Now I approach everything from a really body neutral perspective, but, but I did the things like posting before and after photos. It felt disgusting. Um, it, I don't care if you're a size two personal trainer or a size 18 or a size 22. 
to someone coming into your studio should train to be the best of them, not the best you. You know what I mean? Like they should be the, the best. And I, I can't guarantee anyone that they would look or be able to do the things that I would be able to do or a size two trainer or a size 22 trainer. It's about being the best and, and learning enough to be able to help any person who comes in to see what their specific goals are. Um, and so kind of that divestment from the, the culture of hustle and diet and the diet industrial complex has c completely changed things for me. I'm having way more fun <laughs> doing the work that I do now <laughs> than I was before. And, and as soon as you let go of literally the weight of diet culture, it's, it's so good. It's so much more fun and freeing. And um, you realize that you have so much more to gain than you ever had to lose. And what this industry is now, I'm really trying to flip things. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got really excited there for a second. <laughs> Excitement is great. I love excitement. And what you said, you have so much more to gain than you have to lose. That is a powerful statement. And as you're talking about dealing with people coming in as like looking for a personal trainer or trying to find the right one, I, I'm reminded of, okay, I'm going to date myself. When you, <laughs> way before cell phones and all of those things, you you cut out a picture from a magazine and you go to the hairstylist and you're like, I want to look like this. <laughs> and your hair doesn't do that. And your stylist always does your best to try and tell you, well, I can kind of do my best, but this person has really fine, straight hair and you have wavy, really thick, big hair. So no matter what we do, it's not going to look exactly like that because you are your own unique person with your own unique hair. And so it, it, that <laughs> I just was like brought back to 16 years old. I want a spiral perm and I want my hair to look like this. Yes, I I love that. I've thought of that analogy before, but I've never voiced it. And I think you did it in such a in such a cool way. Yeah, I, I totally wanted to be Minnie Driver from Circle of Friends. And I brought in the picture of her, like, perm, you know, <laughs> her beautiful, curly, natural hair. And I was like, give me a perm to look just like this. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> No, no, it did not work out. But it's a, it's the same when people walk into a gym. You can't just select somebody and say, I want my body to look like theirs. It doesn't work like that. Everybody is so different. The difference is, is I think, the most valuable part of it, you know? And that that's really hard as I think everybody wants the silver bullet. Like, they just want the thing that's going to fix you know, whatever they're going through or change them in some way. And I know it's cliche, but the joy is in the journey. It's the figuring it out and then being able to keep those lessons with you for the rest of your life and um, being able to rely on them and fall back on them whenever you need to get to that place again, whether you want to be stronger, balance or mobility. Once you learn those things, 
things and it's about like learning what your body likes best, you can call on that forever, you know? And so that's what I love to do is to teach people about movement and then try to figure out what movements work best for their bodies, like what feels best to them. And then they have that forever. If, if my clients go on a vacation and there's a, a gym or they're like on a, a business trip and there's a gym, like how many people have walked into the gym at a hotel, looked at all the equipment and been like, I don't know where to start. I love that the people I work with are like, I know exactly what to do and what feels good to me. And I know walking in here exactly what kind of workout I'm going to feel good doing today. And it just makes such a, such a big difference. Yeah. There's one piece I really want to touch on is you talked about the silver bullet. People want the silver bullet. And what I think people don't realize is the silver bullet is so that they get out of pain. And the pain when we're talking about bodies and whatnot is like, I don't want to be fat because oh, I think of, you know, whatever that means. And when we are concentrating on trying to get away from something, away from the what people might think of me, how people might treat me if I look a certain way, I need to be this, I should do that because then I will be happy. And so when you, what I love about what you do is you focus on what you're trying to create. So you're trying to create strength. You have strength camp as one of your things. And, you know, it's not as important about what the body ends up looking like. It's about the strength that you're building. So you're moving towards something. And naturally the mind, when it's moving towards something, it, unless it's in pain, it always wants to get up and keep going. As long as you set those goals and you have those celebrations that give your brain those little dopamine hits, because they're so good. You're like, oh my goodness, I did 14 extra reps today or whatever it might be. Um, but those things will keep you moving forward when you're trying to get out of pain. This is why the yo-yo diet thing happens or the yo-yo working out thing happens. If you're trying to not be fat, if you're trying to, well, I mean, that's basically the big thing with the diet thing and the working out thing. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be fat. So as soon as you get to an okay weight, the motivation goes away. But when you're trying to build something, I'm trying to get stronger and stronger and stronger. There's always a goal to work towards and you, the motivation stays. So the silver bullet, you know, it's a quick fix that doesn't last because the motivation behind it is about trying to get away from something that you don't want. Yeah. And I think, you know, one is intrinsic. Like I want want to be able to hike this mountain or I want to be able to hold grandkids on my shoulders. I would like to do something. And it seems that a lot of people that I've talked to um, are, they're, they're afraid of what other people will think of them, right? That extrinsic motivation about like pleasing other people. For instance, I've had uh, people earlier in my career come come to me and say, oh my gosh, I have a, a wedding I'm going to. I need to look a certain way so that I don't feel embarrassed about other people seeing me. That I don't think that's ever a good place for motivation to come from. Like you were saying, often 
like the, the kind of pressure that you set up for yourself, the timeline, really hard to work towards something like that. But if you told me that you wanted to be able to dance all night at that wedding, that's something I could help you with. If you told me that you wanted to feel strong enough to carry your bags to the airport as you travel to the wedding, heck yeah, let's work on that. These are things that you can retain and that, um, you know, will will like feed you better quality of life and let you enjoy yourself and your body more. Um, trying to do something just so that you get away from shame. That's, that's a tough place to be. Exactly. Get it running away from what you don't want, but running towards dancing all night. So you in your journey, you had to go, you had old like eating problems, stuff, old stuff, stir up and stories and stuff that you told yourself. And I think, you know, being the wolf really is about doing what's right for you, doing what's best for you. And and it's really hard for a lot of people. I was just watching a movie earlier today, actually, and it just reminded me how far we have come in being able to be our true selves, but it's still not easy. And so there's a lot of fears and doubts and stories that we tell ourselves that come up and will potentially sabotage us on our way to being our being who we're born to be, being our absolute best self. And so in your navigating that crazy judgmental fitness world, what were some of the things directly, some of the beliefs, some of the fears that came up? You said your body was your business card. And I think that is an incredibly powerful statement to believe that that is the case. Uh yeah. Well, I think one of them is um, before I ever became a personal trainer, I remember I was working at the hospital and I was really burned out. Like you talked about, you know, you get to your vacation or your day off and you're always sick. That was me. I was just really overworking and I felt really stressed all the time. And I thought, I want to get into this other field. I want to be able to help people kind of earlier in their lives. I want to be more of the like help than I'm able to be here. Um, and I told one of my coworkers that I wanted to be a personal trainer and she looked me down and then looked me back up and laughed in my face. So I thought, oh my gosh, like challenge accepted. <laughs> and anyway, I went on to become a, a personal trainer, but I think that that kind of sat with me. Like, is anyone going to take me seriously? Um, am I going to be able to find work. And even at the smallest that I was as a personal trainer, I was larger than the majority of other trainers at any gym that I was at. So I'm like a size 16, 18. At that time, I was a 10, 12. You know, we, we have an idea in our head of like what the ideal personal trainer might look like based on the, you know, diet industrial complex, the fitness industrial complex. Um, so being in the field, sometimes, you know, you have someone come into the gym and they'll say, you know, I'd rather work with someone else, like, like read, I'd rather work with somebody who's thinner or looks like what I want to look like. Again, no assurance that 
you will ever be able to look like the person that you're working with. And, and I don't think that that is the, like the goal. Um, nasty stuff online when I post that that's one of the biggest places. Is there's trolls that live on Instagram and Facebook who just love to say crap about people in, in bodies that they personally dislike. And I don't know, I think that that's like an internalized fat phobia. I also deal with, you know, homophobia and, and that sort of stuff online too. Not, not ever fun, but, you know, I always try to think about that one person who saw it and was nasty about it. I hope there was 10 people who I just normalized movement for or showing up in a larger body or wearing shorts in a larger body or being able to go work out without fear in a larger body. And I think the normalization of people in larger bodies is tough for the people who are doing it, like myself and, and other people who just exist in larger bodies, who, who love to work out, who love to show up online. Um, we, we get those trolls, we get that hate, but I always think it's worth it to show up and just be something different than what you normally see. Like the, the Lululemon type models with like the long blonde hair, you, you know, there's, there's an idea of what's kind of sold online. And the more that I get away from that, the more trolls get me, but also the community I want to, to work with. Yeah, there's two things I want to really address there. First, what do you do? Because I know it doesn't feel good. So how do you take care of yourself internally when you've got trolls coming at you or people being judgy? What do you do to take care of yourself? Good question. You know, I, I went through this amazing program this last year, a nine-month program on process work and um, like somatic interventions with David Bedrick and that he asks people is uh, we all have like the inner critical voice whose voice is that really and when people are horribly mean online one of my first thoughts is like who hurt you who was mean to you who bullied you using fat phobia as you know who used you as the target uh, does it you know does it make you feel good to turn around and and say that and also i think like a lot of people have been indoctrinated into the you know, oh gosh, you know, over the holidays, sitting down with grandma, oh, it looks like you gained a couple pounds, honey. You know, people are so dialed in to how other people perceive them and showing up online is really tough. Often when I look at those, those profiles of the people who are doing the most bullying, I notice that they don't have any content. They don't have any photos up for anybody to look at. Um, and that makes me wonder, like, who, who did something to them that made them afraid to show up online? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is a lot of people that are afraid and they have their own stuff. And you are living out loud as a larger woman working now and being awesome. You're being the wolf. And a lot of times what that does for people, and this goes for whatever you're doing when you're being the wolf, when you're being who, when you're living out loud, you're living your fullest expression of yourself. There are always going to be people that will talk shit. I mean, it's just the way it is. And what is happening and what's happening at the unconscious level is those people 
are afraid to do to live out loud, live their fullest expression of themselves. And you doing it makes them feel bad. And so when they feel bad about themselves, they have to get that pain out of themselves. So they lash it out. And so, you know, sometimes it's because, you know, who is whose voice is that really? There's a little trick, actually, if you close your eyes and you notice those voices that you hear in your head, if you notice where they come from, if they come from up above, to the side, behind, those are where you originally heard those voices. They did not come from you. They come from outside of you, like if up above might have been a parent or an aunt. And you spoke about like grandma sitting at the table. And this is, I really want to stress how far we still have to go, but how far we have come. And I think about my grandma's generation. My grandma was a very strong woman. She divorced her snake in the grass husband um, when she's very young with two kids. But her timeline and that life, that generation, women needed to have a husband to have a roof over their head, basically. So that idea, we blame it on society. And of course, society perpetuated it. But in order to be loved, you had to look a certain way, hopefully be pretty enough that some person would marry you and provide for you because women didn't work in those days. I know uh, some of my stepfather's friends had wives that they had never seen without their makeup. Like the woman, she would get up in the morning two hours before her husband do full hair and makeup every day for the rest of her life, never being fully seen because that fear, it's a survival fear that you will not be able to live if you don't have someone to provide for you. And so now I see like, I was a teenager in the 90s and in my early 20s in the 90s, and we, the crop tops were there. All the stuff that's kind of in style right now is the 90s version was there, but you wouldn't, you ne didn't see hardly any women except the real super skinny women wearing certain things. And I look around my neighborhood in Brooklyn and all the little hipster girls and boys, and it, I see women and men of all shapes and sizes wearing crop tops. And so it is becoming more normal, which is so freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love to see the different clothes, like you said, crop tops, and I think a lot more companies like are extending their size runs. You know, even Lululemon, which for a really long time only went up to size twelve, I believe that they go up to size twenty or twenty-two now, and um, I, I love to see it. I love for those clothes to be available to to everyone, um, and yeah, it's it's interesting that the voices of our grandmothers and our mothers and how throughout time's voices are getting smaller and smaller about the, you should look this way, or how are you going to, you know, to speak to what you said, how are you going to get a man if you have short hair? How are you going to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause I'm going to be, I'm going to be independent mom and I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to 
going to go learn what I want or I'm going to start my own business. And I think a lot of those things are changing now, which allows a lot more people to show up in the world as their best selves, you know, whoever their truest self is. And that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you are helping people to show up as their best selves. Okay, so now there had to have been, and when you started, when you got to the point where you gave up on trying to fit everybody else's mold, what, tell us a little bit about that transition point, that pivot point. For some people, it's a lot of steps. For some people, it's one aha moment, and then they just change everything. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people out there are trying to figure out how they can be their own wolf and live out loud in their own personal way. And I think it's so important to really know they're not alone and however their journey goes is perfect. So I think it's important to share those points. When were you fed up? Like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I... I think, you know, looking back on it, I think one of the things that influenced me a lot was just like the Instagram fitness culture and, you know, everyone looking a certain way and that really having such a big influence on what I was hearing when people came into the studio. Like, I want to look like so-and-so or this is what fitness looks like, quote unquote. Um, and then thinking about all the, the pro athletes you know, if you're watching the Olympics, they don't look like so-and-so. They aren't a certain size. It's all shapes and sizes. And um, it's got to a point when I felt like posting before and after photos of clients, I'm perpetuating this crap that I don't want to be a part of anymore. And so I completely cut that out. I don't post any photos of clients anymore. Your progress or your... Um, strength or what you gained is entirely yours. I'm not going to post a partnership of what you were able to accomplish. And I think that that created a lot of space for me to just like breathe <laughs> and um, to allow people to, you know, step up and, you know, claim that for their own and not just like, hey, I'm helping you to meet this goal as a marketing gimmick or, or something, you know, you see that a lot in this field. Um, and so I, I think that that was a, you know, a big part of it is like the, the Instagram thing, trying to get away from, you know, quote unquote, perfect bodies, only, only showing a highlight reel, you know, like I wanted to show me sweaty, working out of the gym and give people permission to show up in the body that they're in right now. And something that I hear a lot is people are afraid to start personal training or they're afraid to work out with a group or they're afraid to enter a gym until they get fit. Like they feel like they've got to be at some certain point before they get started. And I thought, well, if I show up and I show myself and I talk about what it's like to work out with me or to work out in the gym, I talk more about movement, maybe that'll inspire some more people to be their, their best selves and to show up imperfectly right now because it's really hard. Ever. <laughs> it's never really that highlight reel on Instagram. Um, and so I think that that's one of the biggest things. Also, 
um, I think that I started to look more into um, kind of the philosophy of health at every size. And the more that I kind of dug into that, the more that, um, you know, I started to read about it, the more that I started to read about intuitive eating, um, the more programs. And like I told you, I do a lot of continuing education. The more that I learned about it, I, I, I just thought, like, this makes sense to me. This really does make sense. Um, much more than anything that I've ever learned, I've followed in this industry. And the more that I leaned into that, the more that I could kind of have some grace with myself so that I didn't feel like I had to be a business card. My body is my business card. Um, and so that's kind of what got me to this point now. And I think one of the things that's great about what you do is bringing in the integrative wellness. It's not just working out. It is learning how to listen to your body, learning how to work with yourself. And I mean, that's what being the wolf is all about. It's listening to your inner truth and going for it, even when it's scary, even when you've got to step over the naysayers and um, keep showing up. Because when you show up, you know, you don't realize it, but when you show up for yourself every day, you build your self-esteem. Everything, every action you take in your life either builds or diminishes your self-esteem. And most people don't realize that your self-esteem is actually your opinion of yourself. So if you don't go to the gym because you think you need to look a certain way, is that action or non-action, building your self-esteem, is it building your opinion of yourself or is it diminishing it? And so the way you work with people and the way you're showing up, I see is that building of the self-esteem, which is so integral to everything in life. So tell us, Stacy. Tell us what you've got on the plate for everybody. Tell us how to get in touch with you. Tell us all the things. Sure. Um, so I like you said, Janaya, I run a group. It's a virtual workout program called Strength Camp. It's um, interactive and it's for 10 weeks. We start on September 12th, but we, we still have some space available. You can also find me at stacysorgencoaching.com and at stacysorgencoaching on IG, um, all, all over the place, like on all the different platforms. And for those of you that are listening, Stacy is spelled S-T-A-C-E-Y. There's an E-Y in there. So when you're taking the time or maybe you just stop and do it now, open up your browser and type in Stacy Sorgen, S-O-R-G-E-N, coaching.com and um, look her up. Sign up for Strength Camp. You've got a couple of days. If not, there's another cycle in 10 weeks, about 10, 11 weeks, maybe. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. We'll, we'll have another one in the, the end of November. All right. Amazing. And for those of you that are looking to step into a career that aligns with who you really are, stepping into a career that you truly love and becoming fully and totally who you were born to be, you can book a call with me. Let's have a conversation. And you go to book a call with Jenea, and that's G-E-N-E-A. And again, 
If this sounds like something you want to do, stop. Don't do it while you're driving. Open up your phone, type in the browser, book a call with Jenea, G-E-N-E-A dot com, and book a call with me or get on with Stacy and let's get strong. Let's all be more of who we are born to be. The world needs us, you all. Stacy, thank you. Thank you so much for coming today and navigating all these tech <laughs> little glitches. <laughs> and everybody listening, you all have the most beautiful day. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on Be the Wolf. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.